Morning, everybody, and um, it is a great day today as our dear friend Fabiano walks in this church all the way from Brazil. <laughs> and it's, uh, the privilege is ours to come to get to know you. Very mature young man he is. And I, uh, as you're talking to him, wouldn't believe you. Only 20, aren't you? 21? 22? 20. Yes, very mature young man at 20. And, um, and that is a very, very good thing to see this day and age. But let's have a prayer before we start. Um, Father in heaven, Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it, we thank you, Lord, for your moving and your promptings of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are constantly roaming, Lord, this earth and searching in the deep recesses of the hearts of men and women, calling them home to you, a place, Lord, where they can be safe in this world so, so they'll be prepared for the world to come. I want to thank you and I pray for a blessing over Fabiano this morning as he's made this decision and this decision is one that he will never look back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a prophet in the wilderness, as we know, that was stirring the hearts of the people. Through his preaching, the people were being awakened, awakened to the reality that there had been a disconnect with God for too long. And there was an, an awakening that there needed to be a reconnect as the message was going forth. The Messiah was coming and they needed to be ready. He was a voice that said, there's a one crying in the wilderness, preparing a people for the arrival of the Messiah to meet their, their God. It sends to the people a message of hope and of peace to their soul that they deeply needed. Many who were searching for God came to hear him. People tormented with oppression, laden with sin, and the cares and strains of life came to John to be baptized in the Jordan River. His message was this, repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. And his message was strong and it vibrated through the whole of Israel. There was an anticipation in the atmosphere. The nation of Israel was being shaken and many were responding as the spirit was calling every man, woman and child. In Matthew 3, 5 through to 6, the record tells us that People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and to hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. The course of history will be changed forever in the events that were coming upon the human race. The Holy Spirit had begun a work that will keep continuing until the end of time. But in the town of Nazareth, the time had come. Jesus receives the call from his father. He puts down his tools, leaves his carpenter's shop, leaves his home and walks alongside his countrymen to the Jordan to be baptized. I would just like you to imagine the scene, the Messiah, is walking with the throngs of people. He's walking in the same direction. He's going to the same place. He's going to the Jordan River. He's going to meet John and he's walking with them and they don't know 
who he is that's walking amongst them. John the Baptist himself was about to meet the one he had been prophesying about. Jesus makes his way to the water and he approaches. John realizes that this man is different. There's a purity of character that he had never seen before or perceived in any man. The very atmosphere of the presence was holy and it was awe-inspiring to him. Among the multitudes that had gathered about him at the Jordan, John had heard many confessions, many dark tales of crime and vice, and had met souls bowed down with the burden of a myriad of sins in their lives. But never had he come in contact with a human being from whom they breathed an influence so holy as that of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was now revealing to John that this is the one. The Holy Spirit was impressing upon the heart of John that this is the one. He is the desire of nations. The one that has been prophesied about from generation to generation, from the fall of Adam until the days of John. This is the one, the Lamb of God, that will take away the sins of the world. And yet Jesus humbly approaches John and submits himself to be baptized. Being in the presence of, the, of a sinless one such as Jesus, John shrank back, the record tells us, aware that he's a sinner, just like those whom he was baptizing. That he himself needed the Messiah for his own soul. John responds with caution and apprehension as Jesus is in front of him. He could, how could he, a sinner, baptize one so pure? How could he possibly do this? And why should Jesus submit himself to a process that required confession and guilt of sin to be washed away? In Matthew 3.14, the scriptures read on and they say this, that John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized of you and you are coming to me. Now, my friends, if John saw the holiness of Jesus, shouldn't we? If John saw his need of being baptized, shouldn't we? Jesus did not allow John to hinder the necessary process in the plan of salvation. He would not have that. He responded to John in verse 15 of Matthew 3, and it says this, Jesus said, it would be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. John yielding to the Savior's request submerged him beneath the water. And Jesus was baptized, it says, by John. Why did Jesus submit himself to the waters of baptism? He was not a sinner, the Bible tells us. There was no weight of personal sin weighing down upon his shoulders. He was pure, the Bible tells us. The question always remains, so why did he do it? Why did he submit himself to the waters of baptism when there was no washing of sins necessary in his own life? Let me share with you something very important. He did it for us, my friends. He did it for us, for all those who believe and trust him 
as their personal saviour. He identified himself with sinners. He identified himself with you and I. Taking the steps that we must take, doing the work that we must do. Jesus was doing what he needed to do in the plan of salvation. His life was suffering and patient endurance after his baptism was also an example for us. Jesus is our example in all things. As you read the life of Jesus, it is the example of what our life should be like. Jesus is a complete saviour. This is also why he did it. There is nothing missing in the plan of salvation. Nothing left out. There's no little nook or cranny. They say this was not accomplished. Jesus did it all. He did not leave anything out in the plan of salvation. Jesus lives a perfect life that we should have lived. And even though we fall short, even though we stumble, even though we fail to do what we ought to do, his perfect life is a substitute for ours. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? His perfect life is a substitute for our sinful life. His baptism is our baptism too. We are complete in him at every stage of the plan of salvation. Because he first loved us, then we in turn begin to love him. Because he obeyed, we through him and by him, with him, we can also obey. Because he was baptized, the Bible tells us that we too ought to be baptized. The significance of this is more profound, more profound than we can ever imagine. If Jesus saw fit for him to humble himself and let himself be buried under the waters by John, then we too must have a look of what God has to say about baptism. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, you're allowed to look at your Bibles if you like. I'm not going to stop you. Mark 16, verse 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Belief is not enough. According to the scriptures, we too must be baptized. But whoever does not believe the scriptures go on to say will be condemned. So belief and baptism go hand in hand. Baptism is a requirement in the steps of the Christian faith. In John 3 verse 5, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus and Nicodemus wanting to understand the salvation process. He's wanting to understand more about the ministry of Christ and who he is. And he was asking questions. And through that, Jesus answers him. And he says this to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, to Nicodemus was revealed in simple format, the processes involved in salvation. After Jesus was resurrected, Peter revealed all to them, all to those that were listening to him after the resurrection, all to them, they that were the generation that had rejected Jesus, Jesus and crucified him. 
and Peter begins to preach and unveil what had been happening in which they were blinded to. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verses 37 and 38, it says that as Peter was preaching, that his words pierced their hearts. They were convicted. They felt the shame and the guilt of it. It says Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? As they were experiencing this conviction, they realized they were under the condemnation of God and they said, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My desire is for all of us, not only to be baptized and only those who have been baptized, but we need to also to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so we can walk in the newness of life. Belief, my friends, is paramount in the Christian walk. Hebrews 11.6 confirms this. It says, it says there in Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it says, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. And you know what he rewards you with? He rewards you with eternal life. What a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful blessing. When we choose to be baptized, it is because we have faith. When, I'm going to say it again, when we choose to be baptized, it is because we have faith. We believe that Jesus is our Savior. We believe that we are connected to him. It is an act of obedience through faith. It's an act of connecting to the one that we have been disconnected with for too long. And it also, my friend, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. The Bible is very clear on this issue. There is no room for doubt or question about the subject of baptism. If you read the Bible, it is, undis it is an undisputable fact that we have connected to Christ and baptism is also part of the process. If we believe that Jesus has paid the price for our sins, if we accepted him as our saviour, then what would hinder us from being baptized? Is that true? If we believe all these things and we profess we believe it, what would hinder us from going into the waters of baptism? In the book of Acts, in chapter 8, we come across the Ethiopian eunuch who was making his way back from Jerusalem and he was attending the feast at Jerusalem. And he's sitting in his chariot and he's reading the book of Isaiah, probably inspired by the, the feast that he was attending. And he was intrigued by chapter 53 of Isaiah. He was intrigued by it. The Holy Spirit awakens the apostle Philip to go and to teach him what he needs to know about Jesus. The apostle Philip approaches him and asks him, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand it? 
The Ethiopian man asked Philip, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? And it was a text that's referring to in Isaiah 53 about a lamb being led to the slaughter. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. My friends, the world needs Jesus. The world needs him. And it needs men and women who have the courage and the faith and the conviction to preach Jesus to them. The scriptures goes on. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answers, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. He ordered the chariot to stop, the scripture says, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. What a, what a simple illustration of faith. When they come up out of the water, the scriptures goes on to say, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Fabiano, my desire is that you go away rejoicing from today. Our willingness to be baptized is a natural progression in the believer's life. It's a natural progression. A public declaration that we are not ashamed of the gospel. A public declaration and a symbol what is going on in our heart and that our old life of sin is put to death and the new life has just begun. I'd like to go back to Matthew 3.16 about the account of Jesus' baptism. And it says there in 3.16 of Matthew, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. This event, the anointing of, the, of God, marked the beginning of his ministry that did not stop at the cross, but continued in heaven after his ascension. My friends, we worship a living Jesus. And I want you to be aware of that. We don't just look at him and leave him at the cross. We see beyond that. We see that Jesus rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven. At the age of 30, in the prime of life, Jesus is baptized. And as I mentioned, begins on a ministry that there is no turning back for him. I'd like to share something important with you, which many fall on a slippery slope and we need to be very careful. If you haven't been baptized, if you've been thinking about it for years and you're procrastinating it, many people hold off being baptized. They know they should be baptized, but they hold it off. They postpone it. They procrastinate. They are afraid. And we must ask the question, why? We must ask ourselves, why am I procrastinating? Why don't I go into the waters of baptism? There are, of course, many reasons. I don't have time to go through every reason that I've come across if I've spoken to people. But needless to say, 
Not one of the reasons I've heard is acceptable in the plan of salvation. There's not one reason I've heard that's acceptable in the plan of salvation. However, for some, they think it's a final destination. There's a strange understanding that this is the end of the journey and there's no more to do. And some may think that they need to get everything right in their life first, then they will get baptized and both these things are related. So they want to try in their own strength to get right with God, but they keep failing to accomplish it. And the decision to be baptized gets further and further away and they lose their conviction and rob themselves of a beautiful experience and the connection with God. I want to share with you something very important. And I've always said this. You come to Christ just as you are. You don't wait until you get everything right in your life. That's never going to happen. If you try in your own strength to get it right with God, you'll always fail. You're attempting an impossibility and you'll continually be discouraged. If you think like that, you will never come near the waters of baptism. You'll be too scared to even look at the water when someone's getting baptized. And I've seen it with people. They don't want to look at it. You come to Jesus just as you are. I couldn't plead this anymore. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You come to him believing that Jesus is the son of God, that he sacrificed himself for you on the cross of Calvary that his blood washes away the sins that you have confessed, that he was raised on the third day and he ascended to the Father in heaven and he's, at, and he's at the right hand of God making intercession for you that you may have victories in this life, that you may be able to go through this life and the trials that await us and also the joy and the victories that are waiting for us as well. As I've shared with Fabiano, and it's something that, uh, I shared with him probably about a month ago, your baptism is the beginning of your walk with God, not the end. Fabiano, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of your walk, the beginning of a new life in Christ. The Bible tells if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You've been redeemed, not with perishable things, it says, like silver and gold but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You were bought with a price, Fabiano. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit because you belong to him. You are his child. Understand that you are adopted as a child of God. It says in John 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe on his name. No more living for self, but we live for Christ. You will never walk alone in this life again, Fabiano. Never, if you fully accept Jesus in your life. God promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. Your old life, your old way of living, your old way of thinking is put behind you in forgiveness and cleansing. It is crucified with Christ. And you may have to do this daily, the Bible says. As you start seeing yourself as sinner as you really are, there's nowhere you can look but up to Jesus so you can be a saint of the Most High. You begin your journey with the freedom of being liberated from the penalty of the law. You are free from that penalty of breaking the law that brings forth eternal death. 
Jesus prayed the prize for all those who believe. At his baptism, Jesus' public ministry began, I said, and his love for you and I compelled him to go all the way, even to the death of the cross. For you, Fabiano, as like many that have gone before you and will come after you, this is not the end, but the beginning of your Christian life. A life hidden Christ, a life abundant and free, a life that will give honour and glory to God, a life that will bring others to Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, do you not know that as many of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Today, Fabiano, as you go under the water, you are intimately connected with Jesus. Your life are grafted as one in his. When you go under the water, you will not breathe for a short period of time, symbolising that you've died with Jesus. When you come up from the water, you will raise up breathing again, a symbol of Jesus raising from the dead and giving you new life. Jesus is a living saviour. And I want to express that to you all. Jesus is a living saviour. Don't leave him on the cross. Watch him as he raises from the dead and ministers for you. The enemy of death could not hold him. It could not hold him. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we'll also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Fabiano, there is rejoicing in heaven, the Bible tells us, when one sinner repents. I wish we could hear it, but I think we'd be deafened. <laughs> So we're going to hear it when we get there, where we can, when our ears can actually handle it. And the rejoicing that will take place as we walk into the kingdom at, at, with Jesus at his second coming. 